0: 1 John chapter 3, we'll start reading in verse number 22. The Bible says, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, And love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. We've got three verses, so, three things to talk about this morning. First of all, if you look at verse 22 again, verse 22 again. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. I want to talk to you a few moments about prayer. About prayer. Verse number 22 is about prayer. And, uh, you know, God is a God that hears and answers prayer. God's not deaf. God is interested. The Bible says His ears are opened unto the prayer's of the righteous but see you've got God's not going to hear your prayer if you're not saved. The only prayer he's listening for you from you is for you to to pray and call out to him for mercy and for salvation. A lot of people, you know, they want to approach God as Santa Claus. He's not Santa Claus. You don't bring God your little wish list. That's not what prayer is about. And uh we find in this verse sometimes why prayers are not answered. Now, you say, Preacher, I've prayed about a lot of things in my life, and I've sort of given up on that. I think some saved people, some Christians, have given up on their prayer life. And by the way, prayer is a whole lot more than asking God for something. Prayer ought to be, you know, there there are four types of praying he tells us about in the book of Timothy. You know, sometimes prayers can just be you talking to God. You don't have to ask him for anything. I, I don't know about you, but if your child, if every time your child talked to you, all they did is ask you for something, you probably wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah, that's not what a relationship is about. Just give me, give me, give me. I want this, I want that. That's not what prayer is all about. Prayer is also about talking to the Lord. Just getting to know God. And just having a good conversation with God. But you know, there's some Christians I believe that give up on prayer. And probably, you know, if there's anything in my life that I get convicted about, and I want to hit the altar every time, uh, that when it's priest is is on prayer, because I'm I'm sort of like Brother Earl. I asked Brother Earl one time, I was trying to figure out God and walk with God, and Brother Earl was up, I was in my 20s, I said, Brother Hughes, would you please tell me, I I want to get, you walk with God, I can see you walk with God, and I, I need to walk with God like that. I said, how much do you pray? He looked at me, and he smiled, and he laughed, he said, I pray just enough where God doesn't kill me, son. You know what he was really trying to tell me? You know, you're trying to find an answer about this prayer. You're trying to put a a denominator on it or a time on it. And it it doesn't work like that. Because prayer is walking with God and prayer is talking with God. I think you ought to have times that you set aside to pray and talk to the Lord. And none of us, none of us pray like we should. And if, if our, if our living on this world was measured by our praying, we, we probably all, all ought to be, be killed because we don't pray enough. I think that was the lesson. It's a shame and disgrace that we have a God that wants to hear from us and we don't ever talk to Him. I think God hears the prayers of his people. We had people fasting and praying for God to do a work. And he did a work. And he showed up. You know why? Because he answers prayer. But some Christians give up on prayer. I think they give up on prayer because they don't see anything tangible come about from it. Pastor, I prayed about this and prayed about this. And I don't don't see anything happening. So what's the use? Well, I'm going to tell you what's the use. There are several reasons that God doesn't answer a prayer. Not just one reason. He doesn't answer some prayers because people aren't in his family. He doesn't answer other prayers because look at chapter 5. And I'm not going to get into all this in chapter 5, but I've got to give it because it's in the context of what we're reading in chapter 3. He said in First John chapter 5, in verse number 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. What a great promise in in prayer that God will answer whatever we ask. But notice, He says in verse 14, if we ask anything according to His will. A lot of times our prayers aren't answered because we're praying for things that, that aren't the will of God. If you think you can figure out the will of God, you're a much smarter person than I am. I think you're a much smarter person than anybody probably has ever lived. I think the mind of God is so vast. I was talking to God the other day about something I didn't understand and I, I told him, I said, Lord, this doesn't make any sense and, and I know you can change this and I know you can, you can do something here to stop all these things and I don't understand this, God, and it would be so easy and I see it clear. If you, but you haven't done anything. But I, you know what I told God? I said, God, I I know you know better than I do, and I can't figure things out. But I know you can figure them out. And so your will be done. And if your will is not my will, then my prayer is not going to get answered, and it's not going to get heard. I'll say this also about the will of God. You know, uh, God's willing that that none should perish. He wants everybody to be saved. But as I pray for people to be saved, and I know it's God's will for people to be saved, He is not going to override their will. God doesn't force people to do anything. So we can pray for other people and see not an answer. And I would say don't blame that on God. Blame it on the person. You understand? And now you can pray that God would bring everything to bear. I'd say some people have probably prayed for you and didn't get their prayers answered because you're not in obedience to God. There's a lot of reasons prayers don't get answered, but that's not the reasons in our verse. Look at our verse again in 1 John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. Would you look at your Bible real closely? Because we keep His commandments. Do you know that God has no obligation or even desire to answer somebody's prayers that are not doing what He told them to do? Am I reading the Bible correctly? He says, whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because... You see that word, because? Because we keep His commandments. Now, there's a lot of reasons that I ought to keep God's commandments and do what God commanded me to do. It's good for me, number one. It's right, number two. But also, if I don't do what he tells me to do, then he is not going to be interested in my prayers. If I am living in opposition to his commandments, then I need to get my life right instead of worrying about God, praying to God about make, giving me everything that I'm requesting, you understand? I'm telling you that your prayer life is also in direct correlation to how much obedience you're giving God to what he told you in your life.
1: And if you look at all these
0: commandments, I wonder how many of these commandments we've not kept this week. You say, preacher, I've not killed anybody and I've not stolen anything. Well, have you been covetous this week? Have you loved the Lord your God with all your heart? Have you loved your neighbor as yourself? Oh, there's a lot of commandments in here. And what I'm telling you, the more we will be obedient to the commandments of God, the more effective our prayer life is. That's what he said in the verse. Maybe many times we're not getting our prayers answered because we're disobeying some commandment. And maybe we are even ignorant of what that commandment is. Maybe we need to get down before the Lord in our prayer time and before we lay out our list of things that we're praying for. We need to say, God, have I broken any of your commandments this week? Is there anything that you've commanded and told me? Now, you know those things aren't God's. You know how how people look at what God says? They look at it as God's suggestions. It's not God's suggestions. It's God's commandments. God commanded me to pray. God commanded me to give thanks. God God commanded me to love my wife. God commanded the wives to to submit to their husbands. Those are, they're not suggestions. They're commandments. God commanded the young people to obey their parents in the Lord. Those are commandments, you see. God commanded us to meet together. Those aren't things that, well, I, I'll just take them. No, no, they're commandments. And when I, when I don't keep God's commandments, and then I want to bow my head and ask God to take care of something, well, I need to remember this verse. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. Maybe I ought to think about my obedience more than I need to think about my desire to answer to prayer. Secondly, he says this. He says in verse number two about our prayer life. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You know, God wants to hear and answer the prayer of someone that's pleasing him. You know, when God Almighty uh, uh, spoke from heaven while his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was on this earth, he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Don't you know when Jesus Christ started talking to the Father, all heaven stopped and the Father said to the angels, Hush! And He said to the cherubim, Y'all need to be quiet. And He said to the heavenly host, Y'all come down. My son, the one in whom I'm well pleased, is calling out to me. All heaven must have stopped for the Father to listen to His Son. Because He did all those things that were pleasing in His sight. Let me ask you a question. How much are you pleasing the Lord? And that's probably how near and dear His ear is to you. I just want to please the Lord. I want God to be pleased and I want my heart and my attitude and my countenance and my life and my choices to be acceptable in His sight and the meditation that I have. I want it to please God. Oh my, how many of us. We live a life and it's not pleasing to the Lord. And then we blame God on not hearing our prayers. Oh, well, We need to remember this verse this morning. You want to talk to God? You want God to listen? Do those things that are pleasing in His sight. He moves on from verse 22 to another subject. Verse 23, would you look at it? Because he talked about keeping these commandments. And he says, you know, if you don't keep his commandments, why is God going to listen to you? And then he says this in verse number 23. He gives the most important commandment for any human being to ever hear of or read about. He said in verse 23, and this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And He that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him. If you want God to dwell in you, and you want to dwell in God, there is a commandment that is based in a relationship for you to have with God. In other words, look, listen, now you're not saved and you're not, you are not a a part of God's family because you keep all the Ten Commandments, but there is one commandment. If humankind does not keep, God will never have anything to do with you. This is His commandment, that we believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. That is a saving commandment. That's not like, you know, don't bear false witness. That's a commandment above all commandments that has to do with your eternity. And notice, it is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. God commands people to believe on His Son. It's the flip side of Acts 17. Would you look there? The commandment of God for you to be saved and how that comes about is not by keeping a list of do's and don'ts, but it's by believing on His Son. He said in Acts chapter 17, the flip side of that commandment of believe on my son. Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30. Acts 17 verse 30, the Bible says this. And the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he raised him from the dead. If you don't obey that commandment, you'll go to hell forever and ever. God commands all men everywhere to repent. And it's the opposite side of that coin of belief. It's not a different thing, it's the same thing. Because you can't turn to God. A turning motion of belief. You can't make a turn without turning from something and turning to something. When I'm believing on Jesus, it is understood that I'm not believing in me anymore. I can't believe on the Son if I'm believing in religion. I can't believe on the Son if I'm believing in my works or my goodness. And so he commands all men everywhere to repent, to acknowledge their sinfulness. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. I never get witness that man in, in the hospital. is about to die. And I, I said, Roger, you need to be... And we've witnessed to him for years and years and years and years. And he said, well, one of these days I'll get around to it. And that day God just burned my heart. And that verse came to mind. And I said, Roger, it is not a suggestion It is not when you feel like it. It's not when you want to do it. God Almighty commands you to repent. Isn't that a different way of looking at sinners? Is that what the Bible says? God commands us to repent. He commands us to believe. You say, what right has He to do? He made you. You wouldn't be here if He hadn't made you. He's got every right to command us. He commands us to repent and believe on his son. You know, three times the Bible talks about how he's commanded us to obey the gospel. There is a commandment attached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not thou shalt not steal or be a good boy or do... It's not that. Look at Romans chapter 10. You know that great chapter on salvation? The great commandment of God. We want our prayers answered, but we don't want to keep His commandments. People want to go to heaven, but they don't want to keep the commandment to believe on the Son and repent. Not going to work. Neither one of them is going to work. He said in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 16. Of course, you all know the verse about if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. That's great. That's a great verse in verse 13. But well, watch verse 16. Romans 10 16. But they have not all, what's that word? Obeyed the gospel. What does it mean to obey the gospel? For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath, what's the next word? Believed our report, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Look at the last chapter of the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. The Bible tells us that God's commanded us to obey the gospel. It's a part of that commandment to believe on His Son and to repent. He said in Romans chapter 16 in verse number 25. Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began... But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets, watch it, according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. God said, Look there, my son. Look how he died on the tree. Look how he's paying for your sin. Look how he's the righteous one. Look how he died. Look how he came up from the grave. And you need to believe that report. And you need to humble your heart to that and come to me and believe on my son and have the obedience of faith. Not the obedience with your feet. Not obedience with your hands. Or your, but the obedience of faith. Amen. Lord, I'm obeying the gospel because I'm believing what you said. trusting it. Now let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Have you obeyed the saving commandment? Guys... You can rob and steal and curse and blaspheme and not go to church and not pray. And you can obey all the commandments in that Bible. You can be a drunkard. You can do all sorts of things of the flesh and sin. But I'm telling you on authority of the Word of God there is one commandment, if you don't keep that commandment, you're going to burn in hell forever, and God will never dwell in you or have anything to do with you, and that commandment is connected with the gospel of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that commandment is connected with you believing on His Son, you trusting His Son, that commandment is is connected with you repenting of your sin, acknowledging that you need Christ, and that you're a sinner, and so you approach God, and you can ignore everything else in the Bible, but if you ignore that there is no hope for your soul it's a commandment so have you kept that commandment have you believed on the son I'm not talking about knowing the facts I believe right now here there's more there are people here need to be saved I really believe that and it's as simple as obeying the commandment of God to believe on his son Say, well, very preacher, what does that mean? That means you're putting your faith in him. You're trusting him just like me sitting on the seat. It's not the facts about the seat. It's me trusting this seat and putting my faith in that seat instead of my faith in what I've done or a good person I am, or I'm not as bad as so-and-so, or I took communion, or I was baptized one day. Those aren't the commandments that get you in God. Believe on his son. Lord, I'm trusting you for my salvation. I'm coming to you with my sin. I'm sorry about it. And I believe you died on that cross. And I believe you were buried and rose from the dead for my justification. And I'm coming to you as a sinner. And I'm believing on you. So many people don't do that. Would you go back to our text in 1 John chapter 3. He He said you'll dwell in him and he'll dwell in you. You see, well, preacher, what's that verse number 23 says? He he adds something. He didn't just say, we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. Keep reading verse 23. He said, and this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave his commandment. You see, well, preacher, does that mean if I will love people that I will be saved? No, it doesn't mean that at all because he tells us, that there's no way that anybody can love anybody because love is of God. And you have to be born of God to love. The only way to fulfill the commandment of loving anybody, you've got to get saved. You can never fulfill that commandment if you don't get saved. There's no love in any of it. He said in in chapter 4, verse 7, For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So nobody can keep the commandment to love unless they've been born again. So it's connected. But I see something else here. I don't just see a description about a commandment that'll save a man's soul. I see a commandment to God's people here. Just like that praying. Look at verse 22 again. Remember what we just read? Whatsoever we ask. You see that? That's a certain group of people. That's saved people. Saved people here are praying. Look at, and then the next verse. And this is His commandment that... What's that say? We. He's are not talking about the heathen. We should believe on the name... Of his son Jesus Christ in love. We. He said, wait a minute preacher. I believed 20 years ago when I got saved. Well, what do you believe now? You know, it's like that guy that said, I do at the altar and said, I love you that that day. And then then the years go by and somebody wonders where the love is. (laughs) Let me show you what I mean. I really believe that some Christians have quit believing God. I'll show it to you. Chapter 5. Chapter 5, great verse about eternal security. Verse 13. I've always read this. I always heard this as a teenager. And I said, what is wrong with God? He is just repeating himself. This is redundant and I don't understand this. And God's not repeating himself to repeat himself. Look at your verse. Verse 13, 513. Great verse. These things have I written unto you that what? Believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may what? Know Know that ye have eternal life. But there's no period there. He said, I'm writing to you that have believed on the name of the Son of God. I want you to know you have eternal life, but I want you to do something else too. Look at it. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And... uh, That you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You know what ought to happen to a to a Christian in our lives. A believer. You know what happens to a believer? That belief ought to get stronger and stronger. That trust ought to, be, ought to be more solidified in my heart. And more real in my heart. And every day I have an opportunity to trust Him. And every day I have an opportunity to believe Him again. And to put faith in Him again. I'm not talking about getting in and out of God. I'm talking about letting your faith grow exceedingly. And sometimes we start in our salvation but that faith never grows. You know, you'll have a chance and an opportunity to trust him tomorrow. And so many times we hang our hat, well, I believe him back there. But what am I not believing him for today? God wants me to keep trusting him. Not to, not to, to keep myself safe. Oh no. But to keep my, my faith growing in God. There's a lot of people that believed in God, but today they don't, they're not trusting him for their life. And I think this commandment, he says, we need to keep his commandment. I need to remind myself, well, things are going bad. Yeah, but God commanded me to believe on his son. <laughs> well, I don't understand the way, but I know the Lord knows the way through the wilderness and all I have to do is follow. I can't figure all this out, but God has commanded me to believe him commanded me to trust Him and commanded me to love. And that love is something that He's put in my heart. It's interesting how He's connecting faith and love in this this verse. Maybe we fall out of love with the Lord and, and because of that, we don't trust Him as much. We don't think He's got our best interest at heart. His commandment is to believe and to love. There's... One other thing here. Go back to our text in 1 John chapter 3. I could give you all these verses about dwelling in him and he in him. I do want to point this out in case somebody twists the Bible. Don't ever let somebody twist the Bible on you. He did say in verse 24, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. Now I want you to notice this. He did not say, He that keepeth his commandments, or because he keeps his commandments, God dwells in him. He didn't say that. He could have because in verse 22, he said, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments. But he didn't say that in verse 24. In other words, look at me. What he's, he's not saying because you keep the commandments, God moves in your heart. Unless we're going to talk about that commandment of repenting and believing on the Son. But this is the truth. None of us can do what God told us to do unless he dwells in us. Because we don't have the ability to do what He told us to do. Isn't that what Peter stepped up and said in Acts 15? We we, we can't bear this bondage. We can't live under this law. We can't fulfill this. We don't have power to do this. It's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that enables us to do anything God wants us to do. The only way I can love is that He dwells in me and that love comes out of my life. And the only way I can do what he says is because Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. He's the one that's living the life. Only one person ever lived a Christian life and that was Jesus Christ. But he lives it over and over and over again in all those people that trust him if they'll let him. So he's not saying because you do this God will stay with you. He's not saying that. He's saying the only way you can do this Is that God dwells in you. The only way you can love is if God's in you. The only way you can do what God says. If you dwell in Those are the only people. Those are the only people. You find somebody doing what God said. The only way they can do that is God's in them. You find somebody that's loving others. The only way they can do that. Now there's a lot of fake stuff with all that. I'm talking about real stuff now. But I want to hasten and get to my last thing I want to tell you this morning. Verse 24 says, He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby, watch this phrase, hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. I'm not going to re-preach that message about us having confidence before God and how we can have that assurance from the Lord. But I do want to say this. He says, Hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. I want to talk to you about your personal connection with God. The only way you know anything about God is if the Holy Ghost gives you that understanding. You know, God's a spirit. Jesus is in heaven. How do I know God? How can I understand God? How do I know that He's real? You know, human beings, they just go by sight. Everything's by sight. And so a lot of people don't believe in God because they can't see Him. It's sort of crazy because they believe in ultraviolet light, though they can't see that. They believe in X-rays because when they go get one, they have all that stuff to keep them from radiation, but they can't see that radiation. It's like that professor that that was trying to teach in the in the class, and the little boy, and he said, God's not real. And and the little boy said, God is real. And the professor said, No, it's not real. And he says, Yes, he is real. And the professor said, Have you ever seen him? He said, No. And the professor said, Well, God ain't real then. And the little boy said, have you ever seen your brain? Then you must not have one. We believe in a lot of things we can't see. A lot of things. I can't see air. I can feel it blow. I can't see God, but I can feel Him blow. I have a connection with God if He is a million miles away from this earth by the Spirit which He has given us? You know why God's so impersonal to people? Because they have no relationship with the Spirit that gives us the knowledge of God. You know the part of the Godhead right now that is interacting with, with people is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is here. The Holy Ghost is here. If you're saved, the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. And that Holy Ghost is how you connect with God. You know, people connect with other people. They connect with their phones. They see their picture. They type stuff. They talk to them. You know how you connect with God? By the Spirit that He's given you. Now, you can't connect with God if you don't have His Spirit. You say, well, what do I do about that? You come get the Spirit. You know God will pass His Spirit out like fresh bread to hungry souls. The Father said, that, look, the Lord Jesus said this. He said, you know, if you're being evil and you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much shall the the, the your heavenly Father give the spirit to them that ask? Give the Holy Ghost to them that ask. Yeah. The Bible says that he he, he shed abroad love in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. It's a gift. You know how I've got love in my heart? It comes by that relationship with the Holy Ghost. You know what happens in my life when I don't feel God's love? You know what happens in my life when I don't feel God's love? I'm disconnected with the Spirit of God because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I don't feel love. Well, maybe you need to quit standing so far away from the Spirit of God. That's your connection. The fruit of the Spirit is what? What's the next one? Well, I just don't have any any joy, and I don't have any happiness in my life, I just don't know about God. That's because you're, you're disconnected with the Spirit of God that gives you that understanding of the joy of the Lord. Well, you know, everybody else, they talk about how wonderful God is. I don't see how He's wonderful. That's because you are a million miles away from the Holy Ghost that gives joy. The Holy Ghost gives. It lets you know Joy. And I got up singing this week at camp. I too, I had to quit singing. I had so much joy, it rose up in my head, went out in follicles of my hair, and I couldn't even sing. Why? Because I was connected with God. And there was so much joy, I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even sing. I don't know why that happened to me. That's because you're disconnected with the Spirit of God. You think the Holy Ghost is a doctrine instead of a person. You think God is just Jesus up in heaven instead of a real spirit of God that you can relate to right now inside of you. Amen. Amen. He's the source of love. He's the source of joy. He's the source of power. He's how I connect with God's power to overcome sin in my life righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost and we're to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost and we're strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. The Holy Ghost is the source of my connection with God to His love, to His joy, to His hope, to His power. And if I don't have the power of God to overcome these things in my life somewhere, I, I pulled the cord out, I pulled the connection out the peace righteousness and peace and joy in the holy ghost the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace I just, I just don't know god's left me and i don't have peace well you need you need you need to connect personally with the one that brings that in your life he's the source of peace he's the source of liberty where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Not liberty to sin, but liberty from the bondage of depression and fear and every other thing that's in this world. Liberty! I just don't feel, I just feel. I... Connect with God! How do I do that? Connect with His Spirit? I just don't know. I don't understand God. I don't... First. first Corinthians 2, verse 10 and 11 says this, The things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. He said, The Holy Ghost teacheth us the things of God. It's how we connect to Him. The Bible is just another book. If you don't let the Holy Ghost show you the truth and give you the understanding of what's wrong with you and what's right with Him, He's the source of assurance. How can I walk around and say, I know my name is there. How can I do that? How do I know that I know when I die I'm going to be in heaven forever? Well, The Bible says this, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. You see the connection? It's the Holy Ghost bearing witness with my spirit. That I'm a child of God. He said even in Galatians chapter 4 that that Spirit, listen, the Spirit cries out of our heart, Abba, Father. He didn't say we cried Abba, Father in Galatians 4. He said the Spirit cries out Abba, Father. It's my connection to God. Now wait, wait. You said preacher, all that sounds spooky. You're talking about the Spirit of God. and Yeah, well, I know, I know. But see, that's what we want. We want want God to be like that pulpit, and and He's not. You you interact with God, and you get close to God, and you have something personal with God through His Spirit. You say, Well, how can I do that? Well, I'll I'll tell you some ways that you can help that. I'll just rattle them off right here. And without these things, you'll never have, God will never be personal to you. If you keep grieving His Spirit, you will never connect with His Spirit. Does that make sense? The Bible said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. If you keep living your life and every five minutes the Holy Ghost is going, Oh! 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 Why did they say that? Why did they do that? Why are they thinking that thought? Why are they having that attitude? If, if that's the way you're living your Christian life, you never connect with God because the very one that you connect with, you're grieving. He says, quench not the Spirit. When God nudges your heart, if you don't respond to that, you can turn Him off just like turning water off of a faucet. You wonder, why, why isn't God ever real to him? Because every time he starts working in your life, you turn the water faucet off. Every time he deals with your heart, you don't do, you don't, you don't do anything about it. And I, I have an impersonal relationship with God because I'm grieving the Holy Ghost. I'm quenching the Holy Ghost. He said in Acts 7.51 about people resisting the Holy Ghost. Well, God just doesn't feel real to me. Well, quit resisting Him. Quit pushing back. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you want to walk in the Spirit, if you want to walk after the Spirit, you're going to have to let Him lead you. God is so impersonal to people because some people won't let Him lead them down the street. Won't let him lead them in a service. Won't let him lead them to the altar. Won't let him lead them to buy the clothes they're supposed to wear. Or live the life they're supposed to live. Or be around the people that... How can you connect with God when we're not letting the Spirit of God lead us? We're out there in a a field by ourselves. And we're thinking, where is God? Well, start following Him. And watch Him lead and watch Him become real to you. Where He leads me, I will follow. Do you yield to it? Do you y- hear, 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 Spirit of God? The Bible says we're to yield our, our members to the Spirit of God as instruments of right. Here's my hands, Holy Ghost. Here's my eyes. Here's my tongue. Here's my life. We don't do that. He'll always be in God will always be in person. And is the communion of the Holy Ghost with you. He said that in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. The communion of the Holy Ghost be with you. Communion is where we get that word communication. It's a back and forth. The Spirit of God speaking to your heart and you're speaking to the Spirit of God. There's fellowship. There's communion. You say, preacher, why, why do I feel like I have no connection with God and He's so impersonal? It's because you're refusing that communion, that back and forth with God. And so many times when the Spirit of God speaks, you close your ears and you don't want to listen to that. And you turn God off because that offended you and you didn't want to hear that from the preacher and you didn't want to read that in the Bible and you don't appreciate what God's trying to do. And so when He tries to commune with and you turn Him off, and then you have no interaction back and forth. And God becomes farther and farther and more impersonal in your life because you are not communing with Him. Amen. A week from tonight, we'll have communion. You know what we do? We get on our face and we examine ourselves. And we look in our hearts and we let God talk to us and we talk to God. But if we don't do that, there is no communion. It doesn't matter how many wafers we take and how many glasses we have. And how many times we do that in a church service? It'll be impersonal if there's not communion. Communion. Let me ask you. When's the last time you listened to Him and you talked back? When's the last time you let Him lead you in your life? He says, we know that we dwell in Him and we know that by the Spirit that He's given us.